0: Well, good morning, church. Oh, this works good. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Well, my name, like Martine said, is Chaz Zenteno, and this is my better half, my beautiful fiance, Olivia Mains. So you can give her, that, give her that. And just to introduce ourselves a little bit, like Martine said, I graduated from Cal State Long Beach. Uh, I was baptized there. Uh, in the Long Beach ministry and have spent most of my life as a disciple there. It was only coming to Orange County that you know, I've been getting trained by the Williams and the Mains and the staff out there and, and was able to make a decision uh, April 19th last year to start dating Olivia and make a better decision January 1st of this year to ask her to marry me. And so at this time, I'm going to give her an opportunity uh, to share a little bit about herself and kind of introduce A little bit more.
1: Yeah. Hi. um, Yeah, I'm Olivia. I was baptized in the Palos Verdes Church a couple years ago. And um, when I was thinking about kind of what my intro was going to be like, I just became overcome with gratitude. Being raised in the church, you know, it's just what a privilege it is to be able to be baptized and to be able to be a disciple all through high school and the opportunities you get to have. Um, I was, you know, I was praying about it, and I was thinking through. Holy cow! I've done, you know, hope youth Corps where you're able to serve and just, you know, really meet the needs of people all around the country, and um, been able to be part of a campus ministry that's just, um, you know, so incredible as a student to be able to be trained in all different kinds of how to be a woman of God ultimately, and um, just so grateful for the church in so many ways, just with um, kind of learning and growing into the person that God wants me to become, and. I'm so grateful to be here with all of you today, um, and you know, thank you for this opportunity. So yeah.
0: Well, it is great to be with you guys this morning. I think when given the opportunity to preach here and to be here with you, we jumped at the opportunity. I think even interviewing uh, with the Westside Church and specifically with the Westside Campus Ministry has been just an incredible privilege. I think when, when we started looking and when Ken Chow gave us the call, it's like, oh my gosh, wow, that could, we would love to go, to, you know, and so we we set it up to come and to be with the staff and to interview and, and to get the opportunity to come and be with you guys today. And so I, I agree completely with Olivia. I think we're feeling overwhelming gratitude, I think, to even have the opportunity to worship with you guys this morning and to be here. And so if you guys will open up your Bibles with me, we are going to get into The lesson. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. You know, growing up, my dad told the best stories. Always. I think that was a huge, played a huge part, I think, in even my becoming a history major at Cal State Long Beach. I got my degree in history, specifically medieval history. You know, medieval England, some things you just never grow out of, you know, especially for boys. You never grow out of knights and castles and wars and kings and the intrigue. And so, you know, as a, as a young boy, my dad would tell these stories. And he had just a way of telling them that really brought so much detail and so much imagery, you know, kind of to the front. And so I would, when, when he would kind of run out of stories, we would go to the movie store. Or, or the video rental place. And this is this is like VHS. I mean, this is like old. You know what I'm saying? The, the teen ministry is like, what, what's going on? You know, and we would go in there. And as a kid, you know, you're looking at movies and you have no idea what's going on. So you're looking at like the movies with the coolest boxes. They came in a box. You know what I'm saying? And the horror movies always had the coolest boxes. They're You know, they're kind of scary, but it's kind of like, what is this? And so, you know, you're like eight years old. You can't watch horror movies. Your parents aren't. I'm going to give you the, the go-ahead for that. And so I would ask my dad, hey, Dad, have you ever seen Alien? Have you ever seen Friday the 13th? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, son, I've seen that. He'd be like, oh, well, can you tell me about it? You know, and it was kind of like my go-around. I would have my dad tell me the story of whatever. The, and he would obviously give me, like, the TV edited version because I was a young kid. But we just grew up hearing these stories. And I think loving history so much I love it because it, it's so much about just kind of stories. The stories of kind of where we've come from and the, the places that we've been. And, and I love, specific, even in the Bible, I think there's so much there. It's, it's one long narrative of God and, and his relationship with his people and his desire for a relationship with us. And so many of the characters in these stories start as normal people and become something different. They become so much more. And so what we're going to look at today is kind of this process. And I'm going to tie it in here a little bit with this medieval concept. I think my one of my favorite things about the medieval period was everything had to be handmade. Everything. You, you built your own house. You made your own clothes. You cooked your own food. And if you needed anything metal, you had to go and it had to be made. If you wanted pots and pans, if you needed armor, if you needed a sword, it had to be forged and so the title of my lesson today is forged anew and in acts chapter 9 starting in verse 4 the bible reads and this is we're going to look at kind of the life of saul and so we pick up in verse 4 it says he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him saul saul why do you persecute me who are you lord saul asked i am jesus whom you are persecuting he replied Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And so Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. My first point this morning is, you must be reforged. You know, I did a lot of research studying in history about the whole forging process. And this was not not an easy thing. In order to you know, if you wanted something as simple as a sword, what they would do is you, you had to use these things called metal billets. And what a billet was is it's a, a piece of metal roughly the size of my iPhone. And you would take about twenty of these and stack them on top of each other until you had a, a pile. And you would put it in a furnace until the whole stack was about fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, to the point where it is just glowing red hot. And then you pulled it out with your tongs. And I actually I have a picture of an old forge. This is an old medieval forge with, with some modern day upgrades. But this is kind of, what, so you would put it back in, you take it out, it's red hot. You put it on this anvil right here. And, you, and you've just got kind of a big, you imagine a big bearded, sweaty, just guy, you know, who just kind of lives in here wearing an old leather apron and he just picks up a three pound hammer and he just starts pounding. Just over and over and over again. Puts it back in. Heats it back up. Pulls it out. Pounding. Until what you've got is this stack of metal that's now one piece that you've drawn out kind of into a rod. And that's, that's your most basic it's called drawing out your shape or drawing out your structure but it takes a lot it takes a lot of heat it takes a lot of pressure It takes a lot of forceful deliberate intent to do something like this and I think you know with God he's looking for these raw materials right you have these metal billets and sometimes if your materials are really good the process goes easier sometimes if your materials are kind of rough and nasty it takes a little bit longer You know what I'm saying? And it takes even longer if something has already come in its own shape. It takes even longer to reshape something that already has a shape. And you look at even the life of Paul, he already had a shape. This is a man, he was a Pharisee. He was zealous for God. He had been living in the Scriptures, living with this training and to some extent, he had a good shape. He had a fervent, he said, I need to please God. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But he was not the shape that God wanted him to be in. Because what was the fruit coming out of this? Murdering Christians. Crazy pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. And you look at this guy with some rough materials. This is a guy who is, is made into this shape, and God is looking at him like, man, okay, we need to reforge you. And for a lot of us, this is kind of where we find ourselves. Not many of us came in as this completely clean slate, raw materials. Right? You think about the first time you encountered Jesus, or the first time you encountered the church, you came in with a shape. Whether it was... The influence of your parents and the way they affected your, your outlook on God. Or the way that you grew up and your friends and the environment that you were in. Your character, your schooling, and, and what it produced in you. Your idea of culture and, and pop culture and your interests and your hobbies. And everything puts you into a shape. Every one of us came in here with something kind of already led already born into us This is a billet. This is a guy forging But sometimes you come in to the kingdom and you're like, well, I'm already a pretty good shape You know, sometimes you come in like this I mean, that's a pretty good shape That shape is really good around breakfast time. You know, what I'm saying like that. I look at that. I'm like, okay I need this shape, but I'm not gonna take that into a war That would be foolish Run on the battlefield in full armor, or you just got a big spatula. Like, that's not going to go well for you. You're not going to last long. You know, some of us, we kind of come in, and you're like, well, I'm a little bit more utilitarian. You know, I know my way around life. I'm mature. I've seen things. I have experience. This isn't my first time around the block. And you come in, and you're this shape. And that's a little bit better maybe. It's heavy. You know, if you hit someone with that on the battlefield, it might. But not the right shape. And some of us, I mean, you don't even know what's going on. You came in here, you came in like a shake weight, and you're just, you don't know which way to go. What is this, what is this thing? I mean, I don't even feel bad. One of my roommates had to take a, a physical training class in college, and they mandatory, besides his book, they made him buy a shake weight. And there is no dignified way to do that. Like He went to the store and he bought it. And he he told me afterwards, he said, you know, I went up to the counter. I put the weight on there. And the lady there just kind of looked at it, looked at me. Sir, do you really want this? It's like, no, I really don't. You know, he had to bring it home and he had to actually use it, shake weight. But sometimes we can come in and, and we feel like, man, I'm, I have a great shape, but this is not God's plan. This is not God's ultimate picture of who he wants you to be, who he wants us to be. This is not the final product. You know, God will put all of us in the fire in order to reshape us. And the thing is, when you're in a shape like this, we can be made of some pretty stubborn materials, right? You look at Saul. He had to be blasted off his horse. He was blind for three days, didn't eat, didn't sleep. And then finally, the person to give him back his sight was one of the very people that he was going to kill. I mean, you talk about humbling. And sometimes we can come in and have the same attitude as Paul did. Well, you know, I come with a religious background, or, I, you know, I have this relationship with God. But we are not in the shape that God wants to be at. You look at this, and this is a skewed image of what God wants us to be. You go, well, Chaz, how do I know if I'm skewed? Well, look at your life. Let's well, look, at, look at the fruit of your life. Let's look at your relationships. Let's look at what's being produced there. Does it line up with the Scriptures? Because if it doesn't, you're skewed. And if you're not sure, you're like, well, Chaz, I don't know what the scripture says. There's a great chance you're skewed. And there's this idea that we need to be reforged. We need to let God do his work and change us into what he wants us to be. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I don't know about you guys. I want... When I read this, I go, I want to be useful. I want to be useful to the master. I want to be prepared for any good work. I want to be made holy. And that's what God wants for us. God wants desires. He says, look, if you would just come to me, I will remake you. I will make you into what you were intended to be. I will make you into... The instrument that I had in mind. Holy, useful, prepared for every good work. God is not just a smith of hearts and characters. He is the smith. God is the one who makes it happen. And it doesn't mean that our task is any easier. Right? If you've thought about it, blacksmiths in this medieval period, they're shaped metal. It takes a lot of heat. Takes a lot of pressure, but if you give it enough time, you beat that metal long enough and hard enough, it'll change. We have a much harder job. We're not shaping metal, we're shaping hearts. We're shaping character. I don't know if you've ever felt, man, I really wish we could just stop shaping my character now. <laughs> I really wish I was at the finish line now. Really wish I didn't, because it's hard. It is not a fun process by any stretch of the imagination to let people into your life, even to let God reforge your character. This is the hardest task, I think, that we possibly have to face. And really, the only way that this is going to be accomplished is you've got to stay in the fire. You know, as you read Paul's letters, you see just the value that he put in transformation that the one-time change was not enough. Because if you think about it, becoming a disciple is like taking those stacks of billets and drawing it out. Now you've been made into the bar. And now the rest of your life is spent refining this bar. Because that wasn't the end of the story. You end up with a long, rough, singular, monosteel piece of metal And if you were to run out into the battlefield with that, now it does some work. Now it does some damage. But it's still not done. In fact, the forging process has only just begun. Because that rod, you've got to heat it up again to 1,500. And then quench it in oil or water to harden it. To make it resistant. To make it strong. And then you've got to polish it. You've got to bevel an edge. And then put it back in the forge. You put it on a lower temperature, like 600 degrees. You put it in there from anywhere from three to seven hours to temper it. Now it's not brittle. It's flexible. It's balanced. It bends. It gives. It adapts. And then you pull it back out. You bevel the edge again. You grind it again. You polish the edge. You sharpen the edge. You even probably hammer it out a little bit more to make it straight. You finally finish up the fittings and now you've got something. Well, if you're that piece of metal, this is not an enjoyable process. You think about it. You were heated to 1500 and then hammered on by the sweaty man. You were heated again hammered again, heated again, ground again, polished again, hammered again, sharpened again, this is, this is a process. This is steps over and over and over to get your final masterpiece. And for us, I know especially for myself, this is not a process that I enjoy. I think in my character, I think in my heart, naturally I want to shrink away from this process. I go, God, this, this hurts too much. I don't want this anymore. Just take me out of the fire. Give me a break. And we can kind of fall into this trap where you go, okay, God, I just, I just need a little break. And you pull yourself out of the fire. And God kind of, you know, sets you down by the edge of the furnace. And for many of us, that's where your progress stops. And you wonder, years down the line, wow, how come all of my closest friends are more mature than me? Wow, how come all of these people are more fruitful than me? How come their relationships are growing? How come they're overcoming sin? And I feel like I'm still here in the same spot that I was years ago. It's because you took yourself out of the fire. You took yourself out from underneath the hammer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Amen. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, present tense, into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Only God is going to transform you further. And that this is a process that we have got to come to. Or else risk permanent stagnation. Permanent stoppage in your growth. There's an old Russian proverb that says, The hammer shatters glass. But forges steel. Question becomes how well do we respond to the hammer? How well do we respond to the fire when God is refining us? You know, in in January, we started, especially in Orange County, we started all of our schools. All of our schools started in January. And with the campus ministry, we have this thing that we do called Rush Week. And Rush Week is basically the first week of school when everyone is on campus. Everyone is crashing classes. Everyone is buying books. It's, it's kind of like a one-week window where you have the most students on campus that are going to be there at any given time throughout the whole year. And so in the campus ministry, we make a huge deal of this. I mean, we are quiet times every morning, we are events every night, Bible talks all day, every day. I mean, it is like, it is a grueling process. In Long Beach, we have stories because we would, we would do this, and by the end of the week, everyone is sick. Because it's just, you've got no sleep, and it's cold, and you're just tired and run down, and you didn't eat a lot. But all of your fruit for like the whole rest of the semester comes out of rush week. Like this first week of school. The people you're studying the Bible with, the friends that you made, it's incredibly effective. Well, in Orange County, the way that our schools lined up this year, we had our first rush week with UCI. And then we had our second rush week with our junior colleges. The third rush week with our junior colleges. And then a fourth rush week with Cal State Fullerton. It was like four consecutive weeks of madness just late, I mean, and we are planning, Olivia and I are planning the whole, we are at every event, we are going to, and it's just, by the end of that fourth week, I mean, we are getting in bumps over nothing, I mean, it's just, you are so spent, and just fried from just laying it down, I mean, a lot of the campus students are like, oh yeah, I know what this is like, and so we're doing all of this, and so I'm, I'm feeling stressed, and just, I've got nothing left, my nerves are just frayed, and and you know I'm talking to Olivia, and, and Olivia starts pointing out all these things in my character that's kind of been revealed in these last four weeks. You know, my where my organization needs to grow, and where you know didn't show up on time to this event. I was late by a couple minutes, and didn't set an example. And and I'm sitting here, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And so then I go to Kevin, like Kevin, bro, I I need some input. I need to talk to Liv, and I don't, you know, I don't. And he's like. Bro, what are you talking about? She's right. I'm like, oh. And he's like, and, and what you actually need to do is you need to do this. And you, need, you need to repent. And you need to study over here. And, you need, and I'm like, oh, man, okay. So, okay. And then I get with Liv again, and, and all of this wedding stuff, because we're planning our wedding. And so it's like all of this wedding stuff is just kind of like, and I'm like, oh. And I'm tempted. I'm so tempted in my heart to just be discouraged. And to just be frustrated and tired and angry and start pointing the finger. Brothers start coming to me during this time. And they're, Chaz, I, I don't feel close to you anymore. Like, what's going on? You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm like, bro, I don't feel close to you. Like, when was the last time you called me, man? I'm over here dying. You know, but I'm looking at this and I'm looking at just kind of the, the way that my heart can react to this. It's so bad sometimes, and I look at this, and everything in me wants to come out of the fire. Everything in me says, "I just want it to stop. I just want. Let me just take a break. I don't. I want to grow in this later." <laughs> the wedding—that's a little harder. Like, we'll plan this later. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. But what I'm failing is, I'm failing to see the vision. I'm failing to see man, what, what would happen if I grew in these things? Wow, okay, I, Liv's, you know telling me about my organization. How would our events go if I was even more organized? You know, how would my example be man, if I was setting such a better tone? You know, how would our wedding planning go if, if I was more diligent with these things? With, you know, and I'm looking at the, and and to see a vision for what's going on, because we can get stuck in the hurt, And not in the vision. It's so much harder to get when someone is correcting you, challenging you, for you to go. Wow, I feel really great. I think I want to grow in this. I can see my life if I were to take your challenge. No, you're right. You're feeling it. And the temptation is to come out of the fire. The question becomes: How how correctable are you? How well do you respond to the fire? And there's great gauges of this all around, all over the place. How easily are you corrected by your spouse? It says a lot about how willing you are to be in the fire. I'm learning about that right now. How easy are you to be corrected by your roommates? It says a lot about how willing you are to be in the fire, to be around people. Because so often, We are not the steel. We are the glass. And there is way too much glass going on in God's kingdom. You think about it. Nothing valuable and truly essential is made of glass. The axle to your car is not made of glass. That would be bad. Your toothbrush is not made of glass. You need that. I have problems with Cinderella because I'm thinking, man, the first rock or like, you know what I'm saying? Like the first anything like taking the stairs. This this is not, there's no ball. This is a pumpkin ride to the ER. Like this is not I struggle with that. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. But way too often, we have parts of our heart that we let stay glass. When someone wants to help you out and they have to do like a little dance and spray some pixie dust and, okay, bro, let me, ju- hey, let me treat you out to lunch. And then, hey, how are you doing? How are your shoes? Man, those look great. Hey, I was thinking, is there like, I mean, i I had a thought once. That maybe you said right if they have to do that, you are made of glass. You are made of glass. That when the challenges come, you you are distraught, you crumble, you break. Glass is unyielding. Glass is unforgiving. Glass does not adapt. Glass does not change well. Glass is a coward. We need disciples of steel. If we are going to change the world, it's not going to be done with glass. We need character made of steel. We need resolve made of steel. We need compassion Made of steel. I will stand on this post and I will not move. Bro, you want to challenge me? Thank you. Because I know you're trying to make me more effective. I know you care about me. I know you want me to be my best for God. You're right. I need to grow. Says the steel. Not the glass. And I think we we have got to understand and we we have got to really apply ourselves. God is so willing to make us into steel. God is so willing to pull the glass out and say, look, I will reforge this for you. I can fix that. Your pride over here, bro, I can fix that. Your lack of patience, I, I will make you a new patience part of your heart. I will change this for you. If you would just stay in the fire with me, I will carry you through. God has such a masterpiece in mind. It's living in a glass house. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, we can get stuck in what God wants versus how we end up. Because we can start the process and get stuck somewhere. What God wants is a master. He wants effective, right? The longer that you work on that bar, the closer it becomes to actually becoming the sword. It becomes more effective. The edge is stronger. It cuts better. It won't break anytime soon. But we can kind of get stuck somewhere along the line, halfway. Where you started, but then something happened right there. And you get stuck, and maybe you're sort of useful. You think about that, even in your small group, even in your your relationships, your marriage, you're you're that disciple that's sort of useful, but not the masterpiece that God wants you to be, that God dreams about us being. He's like, if you were to just stay with me, if you were to let me work on you, I'll make you masterpiece. I will make you effective. I will make you the best you you could possibly be if you stay with me. Romans 12 says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true And proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, wherever we're at today, God will meet you there no matter what we've been through, no matter the scars you carry, no matter the shape that you may have been, God can remake you. God can reforge you. But we have got to see our need to be reforged. And we have got to stay in the fire. God will turn you into something that you can barely recognize. Something far greater than you could ever dream. Something far greater than you could ever know. And we can change this world if we let God reforge us. Amen? Amen. Amen.